Keen's turn. Part 1. Descent and Deprivation. Written and read by Melina Blanc. Surprise! I'm back with the first half of the first half of Chapter 5. As if the naming scheme wasn't obnoxious enough. This is Vampire Vigilante. A wail of sirens broke the night, drawing nearer and nearer until the squad car pulled up in front of his apartment building. Jared grimaced at the window. A half cup of black tea later, and the fuzz of fatigue had retreated from his head. Last thing I need is more fuzz. What I call him for? After he had explicitly determined not to get them involved, what am I going to say? He could say it was a mistake. A prank. No, Stokes might come over to gripe at him, but I can leave out the details. They won't be able to find him any better than I can. The sense of fatigue had gone, but its effects hadn't. He needed to sleep, and he couldn't. Feeling suddenly cold in the warm apartment, he took another sip of tea. The morning's resolve seemed a year in the past. There's no getting out of this. As he had returned to his room from the lobby, something off about it had struck him. There were holes in the ceiling. Dozens of holes. Surely, surely those hadn't been there before. No, he'd realized, ice in his spine, because they were very regular, grouped in two rough lines, leading from the wall in the corner up to and over the bed, as if a spider of nightmarish size had labored across the ceiling, piercing the drywall where each of its too many legs had struck it. What the hell? Taking another swig of tea, he scratched at the bandages he'd reapplied to the cut in his side, which had torn when he'd hurled himself off the bed. On the other side of the wall, the elevator dinged, and the sound of footsteps started up, moving briskly down the hall. He snatched for the seal where it lay on the desk. There was a sharp knock at the door. Jared leaped to his feet as it shifted inwards at the pressure, the broken latch losing its hold in the frame. Police! Nicolette Beauregard stood in the doorway, her partner a pace behind her. Right. She works the night shift around here. Jared? Holy shit, she remembers me. He kicked himself. It was a stupid thought. Of course she'd remember him. They'd seen enough of each other at school. Or was it just that he'd seen a lot of her? No, she must have seen him with Rose dozens of times. But she was all grown up now, and dressed like a cop. Hi, Nikki. Uh, Nicolette. She looked at him, and he felt about thirteen again. Nick, she corrected, breezing past. You called about a break-in? Uh, yeah. Thanks for coming. Of course. Nicolette Beauregard was even less to be trifled with than Rose, with her flashing eyes and commanding presence, she was taller than him, which wasn't uncommon, but for Nicolette, looking down on Jared was a matter of course. 
her little cousin's little friend had always been beneath her. She cast an appraising eye around the apartment. Mommy too, what happened? They went through the procedures, getting Jared's story, inspecting the damaged door. As her partner dusted for prints, Nick pulled him aside. Jared didn't have caffeine often. He felt very awake. Somehow this wasn't helping him focus. He was thinking about the first time he'd seen Nick, how she'd sailed by like a queen on a royal barge, floating on the churning river of the interperiod class change. His eyes had slid from her serenely statuesque expression on down, Michael beside him, giggling and nudging him in the ribs. Jared. Huh? What? He noticed his gaze had slipped to her chest. He couldn't actually see it through her uniform, but he found he could imagine. He could imagine a lot. Shit, what am I, Michael? He pulled his eyes back up, hoping she hadn't noticed. She had. Sorry, he mumbled, his cheeks hot. What'd you say? I said, did you get a good look at him? Look at him? He hesitated, dragging his mind back to the break-in. He hadn't, really. He'd been rather distracted by his impending death, but he knew full well what the vampire looked like. Jet-black hair and burning eyes, parted lips continually entertaining a dark smile, a penchant for suits. Jared? I didn't really get a good look at him. She set down her pencil. Do you know him? What? I said I didn't get a good look at him. I heard what you said. Answer the question. I don't know him. Nick pressed her lips together. Did he threaten you? What? He, he didn't say anything. How'd you get that bruise? She pointed at his cheek. Uh, what difference does it make? Are you going to be able to find this guy? She let out a breath. We'll do everything we can. Of course, we need your cooperation. Right, yeah. Anything you can give us? Race, height, build? Uh, white? Tall, I guess? Average? How tall, approximately? I was lying in bed, I got no clue. Where'd you see him? Jared pointed. And where does head come to? Jared pointed. She made a note. Facial hair? Glasses? Hair color. The more she pressed him, the less he gave. At last, she set her pencil down. You got any enemies? What? Uh, no. If you're in some kind of trouble, you may have options around witness protection. Thanks, but there's nothing you can protect me from. Nick frowned at him. Then she frowned around at his apartment, and then she frowned at the holes in the ceiling. What's that about? She pointed with her eraser. I don't know. Bugs? You should really have that looked at? Yeah. Job for an exterminator. Her partner came over, done with the prints. They took Jared's to compare against and packed up the kit. As they were getting ready to go, Nick turned to him. Jared. She was looking at him intently, a frown creasing her forehead. His heart caught in his throat. Yeah? If you think of anything else, come by the station. 
We're here to help. Uh, right. Thanks. Be in touch. Let you know as soon as we have something. Her partner touched his hat, and the pair moved off into the hallway. Jared sat back at his desk, staring into his tea. There was a knock, not at his door, but at Stokes's. He sipped the tepid liquid and strained to listen to the proceedings in the next room. Stokes wasn't evidently too pleased to be called in as a witness, and got louder the longer Nick pressed him. I mean, lady, I said he had his arm over his face, he was saying. I got nothing for a sketch artist. In that respect, the vampire had been careful, very practically careful, for a supernatural monster. Jared rubbed idly at the residual ink on his fingertips and paused, remembering something. The vampire had been wearing gloves, hadn't he? Yes, when he'd gone for his throat, it wasn't clawed hands, it was black-gloved ones. What in the hell? The vampires worry about fingerprints. And what would that mean? Did he have some sort of record? Were the police a threat to him? Maybe you should tell him something after all. If he didn't, the 911 call may have been an exercise in futility. The building had no security cameras, and the only fingerprints taken would be his. They had little enough in a physical description. But I could give him more. And a name. Over and over he ran the same tracks. Could he tell the police, not the full truth, but something? Use Lou's paper to mobilize the more credulous of the populace? Those were sure ways to get people killed. The sum total of what he knew of the vampire's future activities was his appointed presence at the power station the coming Saturday. Then could he bring someone with him? And who, exactly? Someone with heavy artillery. Goddamn bazooka. Not that he knew anyone like that. Who has guns? But that was a moot point, and he knew it. He wasn't willing to risk anyone's life alongside his own, not even lose. Maybe I can do it alone. I almost had him. And he'd almost had Jared. He shouldn't be thinking about this, he decided at last. At two in the morning, he needed to stay on the alert. He needed the door fixed. He needed to go to work. He needed sleep. And he needed a plan. In that order. One thing at a time. As the morning slogged into business hours, he went to knock on the superintendent's door. His super was a steady, soft-spoken man whom Jared hadn't seen much of over the years aside from deliveries of a complaint of late-night violin playing and an overdue rent notice. He took the news of the break-in with a sympathetic nod and a bite of a donut and accompanied Jared up to survey the damage. As the door opened, he caught sight of the ceiling, raised his eyebrows a fraction of an inch, and said nothing. He gave the door a quick examination. Well, I'll get someone in to replace the knob. Should be done by tonight. He took a step into the room and took in the damage to the ceiling, his eyes moving down to the damaged wall. And about these holes? Yeah? I'm gonna need to have those fixed. I'll get a guy in to quote it for you. What? But I didn't do it. Well, 
one way or another, this pad wasn't a cribbage board when you started Ren here. Jared gritted his teeth. As much as he'd like to, he couldn't bring himself to blame the holes on the burglar. I got a safe you can store any small valuables in in the meantime. He wasn't listening. This was going to set him back. Again. He'd have to tell Rose. He swallowed. Uh, how much is this going to cost? Tough to say. I'll get you that quote. If it's a lot, we can see about tacking it on the rent over a couple of months. Jared looked at the floor. Thanks. Then I'll get the lock done later today. Have a nice day. He moved off down the hall. Jared closed the door and retreated to the fridge for food. Door fix. Check. Ceiling. Worry about that later. Next. For perhaps the first time in his life, Jared was early for work. But between fatigue and worries, he spent the day in distraction, and Lou made him stay late to finish his quota. He watched the light in the office wane and worked all the more slowly for it. On his return to his door, it was to find his super's promise as broken as the lock still was. Not that it mattered much. He had little worth stealing, and a new lock wouldn't help him tonight. There was a note from the super on the floor. The lock couldn't be fixed right away due to the extent of damage to the door. The whole thing would need to be replaced. And as for the quote on the holes, Jared had come up with several disaster scenarios on the subway, and this was quite as bad as he had feared. Shit. He sank into the desk chair, fumbling for a tablet and calculator. How many more months? As he rifled through papers accumulated on the desk, there was a knock at the door. He suppressed a groan. His first thought was the usual visitor, the only person who ordinarily ever came to his place, unless it was Stokes come to curse him out, and there just wasn't enough pent-up rage in that knock. He could pretend he was out. No, it's probably just the super. The knock came again. If he didn't hurry... The door was going to cave in. Jared got up to answer, but it wasn't the superintendent, and it wasn't his father. I am so very much extremely painfully looking forward to the next episode. And the one after that, and the one after that, and oh my goodness, the two after that. Hopefully, I'll be able to drop some freelance work soon and resume a better pace. I hope to tell you tales again sooner. <laughs>